Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 143. Once again, you've got Chris and Brian, and today we are going to recount a recent uh, pistol training night uh, focused on grip and vision skills. Yeah, guys, we, uh, we've we been doing kind of a sequence with a group of guys that we shoot with on a regular basis, um, and, and one of the things that came out relatively early in that sequence, um, coming out of COVID, uh, coming out of the crazy world, ammo prices, etc., and and you know, kind of everybody's kind of backed off a little bit on shooting volume. Um, the group of guys that we shoot with, we shoot on a pretty regular basis, but I know everybody's backed off the amount of rounds they're shooting, etc., and looking for different things to do. Um, maybe to save a little bit of money, save a little bit of ammo, conserve ammo, etc. Um, and then in addition to this, we'd done some of the previous training nights involved working with long guns uh, back, you know, a few months ago. So we came off of that and went into handguns, and I, and I think kind of everybody's feeling a little bit rusty. So, so we kind of bored down on some very, very fundamental things and, and grip, um, grip, sight work, and then, grip. yeah, grip some more and then sight work. Um, and then within that sight work, you know, the visual aspect of it, you know, we, we came to target transitions and stuff like that. Um, so, so the training night, uh, I was running this training night and I, I'm not as technically knowledgeable, I don't think, as like you or or Brian, uh, the other Brian, the other other white meat, um, you know. But there's basically uh, trying to push through. Some of the guys are struggling with the predictive shooting aspect of things, where your grip, your body alignment, all that stuff really has a lot to do with where the round's going when you're trying to run fast. When we talk about time splits, going going fast, getting out of the holster, going fast, getting the bullet where you want it to go really without seeing the sights. Am I saying that right? Yeah, so that's actually what we call a confirmation one. Uh, we talk about predictive versus reactive shooting. Yep. That's on the, the second shot. Um, if we're talking about, you know, being really fast, you know, how much sights do I need for the first shot? Yeah. Uh, we've either got confirmation one, which is we basically aren't using the, the sights on the gun. Yep. Uh, confirmation two, we're getting a very, very brief like flash sight picture. Okay. And then confirmation three would be we've got a hard crisp um, sight picture. Okay, cool. So, so running this, we did um, a, a, a modification of a build drill just based on distance. Um, basically, we were working at seven yards, and we ran this a couple times to give everybody an idea of what it was they're supposed to be doing, what they're supposed to be seeing, etc. Um, and and so the build drill, you're basically you're you're drawing the gun, you're working, you should be working on an IDPA or USPSA. Um, and trying to shoot minus zero, trying to shoot the center zone, shoot the A zone, the A zone, yeah, and run through that. Um, and it's six shots as fast as you can get them off without having any misses. My understanding is it's one of those things where, like, is there a scoring outside or is it a fail? I think it might be like a time penalty. Okay. Or a miss is a time so we penalty. were treating it as a fail. But, we were yeah. treating it as a fail. So basically, we were taking a B8 target um, and running one ring outside the black was your center zone, which is about an eight inch center zone. So that would be analogous to like a IDPA center circle, yeah. um, versus a USPSA rectangle or, or whatever. Um, you know, and the goal for this is, is to, if you're, if you're coming out of the holster fast, you've got to have proper body alignment, proper grip on the gun, etc. but you've got to maintain it through six shots. Um, and, and so you really have to have things kind of nailed down. You've got to have meat on the gun where you're supposed to have meat on the gun and have things pointed appropriately. Um, and, and at seven yards, you're blazing through this. If I, I would say this is somewhere between confirmation one and confirmation two, um, which, you know, if you're good enough at that distance that you can hammer away and maintain an eight inch group as fast as you can go, then great. Um, but what we were looking for was a combination of things. 
Um, did, did you start throwing rounds toward the end because your grip was failing? Or are you pushing that your group, your, I, I hate to call it a pattern, but are you pushing your pattern somewhere other than you know the center of that target? Yeah. Um, because that tells you something about what's going on with your grip or whatever. So we did this a couple times at seven yards just to give everybody kind of an idea. Um, then we pushed it all the way back to 20 yards. And the reason we did that is we're looking for the same kind of conversation, but now you're chasing your sights. So we understand that your splits are going to slow down a little bit, but grip still matters, that, that alignment still matters to get out fast, because if something's not right, then you're really struggling to find the sights where you need to find the sights, which is what should be happening. You should Your sights should magically appear where you want them to if everything else is lined up perfectly. If it's not, then you struggle. The other thing, shooting it at 20 yards on that target, if you were throwing your group where you were supposed to throw it in the middle of the target and everything looked good, but maybe it was biased one way or the other and you didn't realize it because of the distance, now the angular standard is still the same, but the distance tells the tale and lets you see, hey, where's that Where's that shot pattern going? Where are you, where are you running those rounds? Yeah. Um, curiously enough, we've worked on this kind of stuff enough that almost everyone did really well in maintaining centered up shots. Um, time slowed down a little bit, but the, sh the groupings of shots were pretty solid going from seven yards and then back to 20 yards, but everybody slowed down enough to see the sights, I think a little more clearly. And that's the reactive shooting aspect of things or what you call a confirmation three. Yeah. Kind of both. Okay. So what, yeah, which, whichever way you want to look at it, it was, it was sighted fire, um, at that distance. Um, uh, it seems to me that a build drill is run at like 30 feet or something like that. I, I don't generally like it's a seven yard drill. Is it? Okay. Okay. So, yep. um, and so going back to 20 yards, just kind of forced everybody to again, maintain that grip, etc. Had a couple guys who caught themselves at some point on one of the runs, like milking the grip, like adjusting the grip, trying to figure out you know, where they were. And that was kind of good to see because it was that confirmation that, Hey, at distance, it's a little more precise, but all the mechanics still matter. You can't cheat it. Um, even though you're slowing down a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and like I said, everybody maintained the centers well and maintained their hits well, might've dropped the shot here or there, but I think everybody kind of figured out just to, again, that one more little addition to, Hey, light bulb went off again. I'm still doing X and I need to fix that. Or, okay, this just got me through whatever it was I was doing. And now I was able to make those hits at 20 yards on a B8 center. Um, so pretty cool stuff there. Um, and again, you know, we're back to, you know, none of this is, none of this is like a lightning strike. None of this is like, um, you know, the mushy finger hold, you know, that you had to figure it out on your own. It's, it's just the fundamentals. It's the basic stuff. You don't need Shifu to show yeah. you this stuff. So, um, we went from there to some lateral target transitions. Um, and I, I, I guess this drill has a name. It's called a Blake, Blake, um, Blake, Blake. 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 not Blake. No. Okay, cool. Um, so basically, we ran uh, the, the same kind of drill. We put up three targets, um, and, and this is where I'm going to pick on our resident artist and then our resident entrepreneur. Um, well, we, we had six targets up and basically said, you get, get in two lines, centered on target three or target four, and you're going to run odds or run evens. And you're shooting left target, middle target, right target, middle target, left target, middle target, right target. Not anything crazy. So you're just running back and forth across the array a couple times, getting in, you know, seven-ish shots, one per target, working on transitions. Um, and we did this again. This was from about 20 yards. The intent being a little less target dispersion, um, and then also just the the idea that you need to slow down and make your freaking hit. So your transition from target to target should be fast, 
but the time on the trigger to get the shot needs to be whatever it needs to be for you to make the hit and center it up. Uh, we did tape up and clean up between everybody's runs, but we had some guys who had total effing brain farts going, your odds shoot one, three, and five. Your evens shoot two, four, and six. You're shooting one at each target across back and back again. Then we had some vapor lock going on, and it was kind of funny because it's like, this isn't like a figure it out kind of drill. <laughs> I still love you guys, but whoo, that was kind of fun. Um, uh, hold on. Yep. Actually, this is not a Blake drill. Um, a Blake drill would just be an El Prez without the reload. Yeah, this, so yeah, this two, was one shot. Yeah, yeah, this, um, okay, so this is not this the lock is, This is Chris's hillbilly transition. This drill. is hillbilly, exactly. I told you. That's what I said before we started. See, Brian's, Brian's getting all smart on me, and everything's got a name, but when I come up with crap, I just, you know, pull it out of orify and go on. Uh, orify, plural of orifices. Is, is. Anyway, um, so yeah, so the, again, rednecking it. Um, uh, uh, you're shooting enough rounds that you've got to have good grip. You're shooting at enough distance that if you don't have good grip or good trigger control, it shows on the target. And you're doing enough target transitions that you could go back and review the splits if something was off and go, hey, what happened here? Were you choking on the trigger? Um, you know, you need to be driving the gun a little bit harder target yeah. to target and making the shot, etc. Um, the reality check is, you know, we talk about, you know, that, that kind of that quarter second metric if you're within a predictive shooting distance. But that's, that slows down when you get out of that predictive shooting distance and go to the reactive shooting just a little bit. So, and, to hold on a second. Yep. So, we're actually, like, this is more of a, like, a, are we shooting confirmation one or confirmation two? Um, uh, and I'm going to say at 20 yards. So, yeah, or right? confirmation three if we're at 20 yards. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, the, the real trick here is the, the target to target transitions mm -hmm. um, and being able to visually, you know, shift your vision from target to target, figure out which target you need to shoot. Yep. So we're doing some discrimination. Yep. And then bringing the gun to your to where you're looking. Uh, really, that when we start doing a lot of target to target transitions, uh, maintaining a hard focus on that front sight, or yep. you know, if you're looking at the dot in an optic, one to look at the dot, look at the target. Yeah. Uh, but if we're tracking the sight as we move the gun. Uh, we're going to be a lot slower than if we're looking at the target and then bringing the gun to what we're looking at. And that's a that's a drill and change in focus because you're running your focal plane. If you're running iron sights, your focal plane's changing dramatically, going yeah. target focus, front sight focus, and then back to the target to find the target, and then front sight focused again. And like you said, there's also a discrimination aspect of this because there were six targets out there and you yeah. weren't shooting all of them. Um, and again, the vapor lock wasn't on the shooting. The vapor lock was in the explanation. Um, the artist and the entrepreneur were like freaked out until they saw what it was. And we're like, oh, well, if you'd have just said that. <laughs> and it's like it was like asking the artist to do math. Um, God love them. But they, we all got it. But it was interesting to see that, that the times really weren't that different because we did it at 20 yards first and ran it a few times and ran it right to left, left to right, et cetera. Um, and, and then we, but then we pushed it up to like seven yards and your angular dispersion of targets was greater because you're closer to the target now. So the degree in which you're rotating or the turrets moving is, is significantly greater when you cut the distance by more than half. Um, curiously enough that the times weren't a whole lot faster at that distance. And at that distance, maybe on the outside targets, you're running confirmation two, but on the near target, you're running confirmation one because you're close enough. Um, so were these targets, these targets were the same distance or were they? 
different distances. Well, they're the same distance on a line, but you're up close enough that it made the outside targets were further away. By like a yard or two. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, so if you're, but, but for a lot of people, I think that we find that that five to seven yards is where, where confirmation okay. one changes to like confirmation two, where you need to yeah. find a little bit of front sight, especially on a B8. Um, the push for everybody on these drills was to try and hit the black. We were accepting hits into the first ring, but I'm told everybody, you know, again, let's, let's, if you got to slow it down to make the hits, slow it down to make the hits, but drive the gun as hard as you can drive the gun, drive the trigger as fast as you can drive the trigger and still make the hits. Yeah. Um, the, the grip failure aspect of this, I didn't see, it was like everybody kind of was honed in on the grip from the build drills and then pushing into this was a good succession for that. Um, so anyway, we ran these a uh, couple different times at 20 yards and then pushed up to like seven yards, maybe even five yards. It's pretty close and ran them again, close up. Um, and the, the, the times were almost the same because I probably because of lateral dispersion at that point or angular dispersion of targets at that point. Um, again, taped between every run so you could see what you were doing. At this point, it was getting dark enough that we were running low light. So there was enough ambient light that you could probably shoot most of these drills without a light, but a lot of guys chose to run it with the light. Um, and, and then when we got in, so we ran through this, I don't know that the light necessarily made a difference except getting the light on if you were chasing the light before the first shot. Um, and, and that was something everybody needed to work with because we got a lot of guys heading into low light that are running new lighting systems this year between TLR 7As and some other options that have come on the market here recently. Um, so we pushed through that. I don't know that we learned anything about light versus no light, except that as it got darker, your muzzle flash jacked with your eyes adjusting on each target with crappy range ammo. Yeah. So, um, grip matters, visual acuity and the ability to transition from target to target and back to the front sight matters. The dots cheating because you don't have to go from the target back to the front sight. You can just go target to target and superimpose the dot on the target and go. Um, so we definitely confirmed that in this drill for sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, um, so like I said, we ran these a couple times, um, near and far or far and then near. And then we went to a linear, um, same target transition, but a linear target transition, uh, up, cl up close to far on three different targets. That's similar to like an accelerator drill. Um, it, we ran and, and one of them, we ran near target at like probably three yards, the next target at like seven yards. And then the last target all the way out at 20 yards. But the last target was centered between the other two, and they were very, very close together uh, laterally. So your movements weren't very far, but your your choice of how much sight you needed and how much trigger you needed to make it work. Um, we also chose to run this a couple different ways where you were running. The first target was three shots. The second target was two shots, or the middle target was two shots. The far target was one shot, and then back two shots, back three shots, and then flipped that and ran it one, two, three, two, one shots as well all trying to maintain grip, all trying to maintain that, that good grip, that powerful grip. And I think that running more shots up close or more shots at distance both tell you different things. Because if you're driving the, the gun hard and you're smashing that front target three times and not dropping a shot of three yards, which you shouldn't be, right. but you should also be doing it really freaking fast because you're up close. We had some guys, I think, who, were, who had struggled previously that were hammering three shots really fast exactly where they were supposed to go in those front two targets, which is about to seven yards. Um, and then going out to distance, everybody was slowing down enough, driving the, driving the gun. And even on three shots, um, if there was a shot dropped, it wasn't dropped by much. Um, so again, grip, visual focus, where you're looking with the gun. And at this point, it was dark. At this point, at the far target, if you weren't running a light, you were going to struggle to see the far target and go from there. Uh, and then additionally, muzzle blast was really one of those things that was jacking you up. Um, to see what was going on, 
target to target to target because you're, you're you got that flare that that lighting flare that's making yeah. your eyes go hey that bloom so um but again grip visual acuity transitions etc so yeah the other big thing is knowing how to mentally transition between am i shooting this target in a predictive fashion so just hammering at it yep or am I shooting it in a reactive fashion? So I need to, to get a good sight picture yep. after every shot. Um, and then to, to do that, you know, at speed. Yeah. Um, also transitioning, you know, focal depth with the eyes. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the, the target to target transition stuff is being able to drive the gun just hard enough between targets, but not overdrive it. Mm-hmm. So there's a real, a really fine balance between do I have enough tension in my arms in my torso, do I have too much? Is if you have too much, then everything is real herky jerky. Yeah, um, and that, that and was you're not the, able to transition smoothly between absolutely. targets. Absolutely, and that, that was one of the things. Like one of our guys just went to the Roger Shooting School, and that was one of the things that they pushed because they do a metric ton of target transitions, and it's it's basically you're tightening. It's almost like if if any of you guys out there are powerlifters or do uh, things like deadlift or squats and stuff like that, it's like screwing your feet into the floor and then run in tension up through your legs, your glutes, your body, and then your upper body, enough to do what you need to do. Um, the way that, you know, our, our, our guy that works with us here, um, they, they communicated that as locking in for the shot so that you can drive everything hard, but then how much do you let up to get to the next target before you lock it back in? And it was a lot of that, that muscular aspect. And we see, I, I get it, how people overswing when you start talking about targets that are separated by like three to five yards or something like that, that are separated a long way. Um, when you get targets that are really close together though, people try and rush it. And, and I think that you don't realize that you've got to maybe unlock a little bit to get to the next target, even if they're, even if they're not laterally dispersed very far. Um, and I, I didn't see anybody really struggling with that. Everybody seemed to be able to lock it in. And on the seven yard target where I figured guys would maybe coming off the far target would speed it up. Or coming off the front target would have to slow it down. Um, the seven yard and the three yard target, it really felt like everybody was in a predictive place. Maybe that, maybe confirmation too, but I don't think so. I think everybody was at that point was driving the gun hard enough, and then maybe running the lights also gave you somewhat a confirmation that hey, the target centered up in the middle of my light beam and at that distance I can hammer. And the the middle target, that seven yard target, was getting shot really quickly and really well. Almost no one dropped the shot at seven yards. And then at 20, 20 yards or whatever it was, occasionally somebody was dropping one, but not by much. So again, you know, I think we've, I think because we've honed in on this stuff over the last couple months pretty hard, along with some of the other things we've been doing, that I think that's paid off for a lot of yeah. the guys. So, um, you know, and so I, I guess part of this conversation too is we're talking about not the minutia, but the fundamentals of training, but then also the programming of it. You know, having conversations with you and the other white meat. Um, about what drills to run, how to run them, et cetera. Um, you know, I, I, th I think the progression of the training matters. And if you think it through, when I like the way we're doing our training in blocks of like three or four nights or whatever, yeah. um, I think that's paid off in this case. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, getting back to the grip, um, you know, a lot of guys, I think, never really learned proper grip. Mm -hmm. uh, going back, you know, five years, 10 years, 20 years. Mm -hmm. uh, so taking the time to isolate, you know, Key component skills like that is really important. Well, or they, they were, or they, big time. or they were taught improperly. Yeah, I mean, there's a reality that we we still see guys occasionally in training classes and stuff like that who have professional firearms experience, and they were taught to run a gun a certain way. And again, if you you know you were taught something 30, 40 years ago, like the military 
until very, very, re I'm going to say in the last decade, decade and a half, was still teaching guys to freaking cup and saucer a freaking gun. You know, so you came out of the military and you're still running your weak hand underneath the butt of the gun. Um, you know, you were that, that's not you if that's what you were taught. That's who you were taught by and whatever that is. Um, some of the grip things like Weaver, you know, the Weaver stuff is, is a little bit outdated. And if you can make it work, great, but there's probably a better way to do it. There's a lot of guys who are taught that stuff in police academies. Um, there are a lot of guys taught a lot of stuff. One of the things we're talking about, too, um, again, our guy who went to the Rogers School, they talk about releasing your finger clear off the trigger, breaking contact with the trigger. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and some of the fastest dudes in the world, their finger comes off the trigger. But we've got police officers, guys with that history, that were taught to shoot the trigger reset because they transitioned from revolvers to auto pistols. And one of the advantages of the auto pistol was that it was a relatively short reset gun versus a revolver. So they taught people to pull the trigger and then let up and concentrate on that let up until you hear it click and then re-engage the trigger. That's slow. That's it's, it's really hard to think through that many steps yeah. versus grip the gun, drive the trigger, grip the gun, drive the trigger, grip the gun, drive the trigger. And so some of those things popped up as well. So some of it, you know, is, is like what you were taught and maybe moving on to a better way to do things. And some of that popped up as well, too. So, you know, that's, it was, it was kind of cool. There was a, we didn't shoot a lot. I bet we probably shot 150 or 200 rounds a guy. Yeah. Um, and, and everybody got a lot of reps in and some things like that popped up too. Some small minutia type things are like, Hey, this is what you were taught to do 30 years ago. Maybe we need to look into kind of changing that mentality a little bit and driving the gun a little bit differently. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool stuff. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't mean that. That's that's all we did. We blew through, you know. And it, it wasn't. It, we shot a lot, but it wasn't just. You know, it wasn't right. masturbating with ammo. It was. They were good shots. It was a good, good use of ammo and a good use of time. And the progression worked out well. That I think everybody closed that night out in a pretty good place. Yeah. So. One other thing on the target target positions. Uh, if you're looking for t finding time in a drill, um, on a competition stage in the real world, uh, there's almost always a lot more time to be found. In your target to target transitions than in your split times between shots yeah that's a conversation we have in the shop a lot a lot of guys get wrapped around the axle about what looks cool on instagram um and you know and so you go run your video when you're doing jail breaks your 0.15 splits or you know 0.17 or faster in some cases i mean there's some dudes out there that can flat ass burn it down um and hit what they're aiming at too um you know it, you we can talk about visual processing and the fact that most people can't process more than about 0.25 anyway so the guys that are running the gun that fast with those kind of splits are either shooting reactively and they're talented skilled guys who have built the foundation or they're missing a whole bunch and generally from the camera angle they don't show you the misses right right um, there's a couple dudes out there that can do it so i'm not throwing shade at anybody that can do it i'm throwing shade at all the guys who don't ever show you the target um you know and going from there but there's a reality check to you. Can you see as fast as you're shooting? And if you're shooting predictively, you might not be seeing it. You might just know from the grip and from your experience that the bullet's going where it's supposed to go. The question is, do you need that many rounds that fast? I'll take as many rounds on target as I can get, but things change quickly. And if something changes, there's a visual aspect and a societal aspect to, you know, the, the Jared Reston conversation where you shot the guy eight times, but four times were in the back. But when you're shooting eight times a second, um, it's hard to process that the guy turned around and was no longer a threat. And when it all happened within a second, was he actually not still a threat? Because he might have just been turning away from you to move someplace else to try and shoot you again. Yeah. So, you know, there's a little bit of that aspect of that too going on. Um, really, really hot splits are cool, and it's great if you can do it, but only if you can actually do it. If you can't, you know, slow down and actually get the hits too. 
Yeah, it's so. also one of those conversations of you know trying to chase from say a point two split to mm-hmm. a point one six or a point one seven. Yeah. Uh, those couple hundredths of a second, unless you're chasing a national championship, yeah. really don't matter. No, you'd be a lot and better you, off to work on sprints. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, footwork. You know, getting getting a better target transition. If you can cut point two seconds off your target transitions, yes, uh, you're going to find a lot more time than finding you know point zero. Yep. Two or point zero three seconds between your shots. Yeah, because everybody at that level shooting the same splits, basically. Yeah. The the guys who win it win it on target transitions and footwork from position to position. Um, you know, some of those dudes are deceptively fast. Uh, I'm trying to think of the guy, Frank Proctor. Frank Proctor is a tall, lanky dude who moves like a freaking cat, and you don't realize how much ground he covers. And it's fun to watch some of those guys do that stuff. Yeah. So for sure. So yeah. So good stuff, but agreed. You 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 probably won't win the match on your splits. You'll win the match on your movement and transitions. So, yeah, yeah for sure. Or your gunfight. Or your gunfight. Either way. Yeah. Whatever. You, however you're looking at it. We just see the metrics more in the matches. Yeah. Um. Not not many gunfights happen under the timer, unfortunately. Although more and more with video, we dig it. So. Yeah. Cool. That's all I got. Uh, on that note, as we come across drills and other things, uh, we try to post them up to our social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, just search for Cap City Outfitters. Uh, we do an email newsletter once a week where we talk about training, new things coming into the store, um, and other things like that. Uh, you can sign up for that on our website, capcityoutfitters.com, or send us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com. We will happily add you to the newsletter list. Uh, also on our website, you can find valuable information such as how to do an FFL transfer or how to purchase a suppressor via our storefront over at silencershop.com. And then lastly, please come see us at the store. We're in Hilliard, Ohio, 4465 Cemetery Road. Uh, We're here 10 to 5, Tuesday through Saturday, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for tuning in, guys.